Just for listening to this podcast, I'd like to give you a copy of the 10 relationship tips that most couples get wrong. Just email me at ron at idu-idus.com and I'd be happy to send it out to you. Welcome back to the Growth Mindset Podcast. Let's talk about what the growth mindset is. And the easiest way to do that is to ask you the following questions. These questions can be adapted to education, relationships, business, sports, music, any sort of thing that you do in your life that you want to do better. The growth mindset will show you how. So first we have to find out whether you have a predominance to the growth mindset or the fixed mindset. So here are your questions. Do you say yes or no to these questions? Your relationship is not able to change. You try new things with your partner, but nothing really changes. No matter how great your relationship is, you know it can be better. Any couple can improve their relationship. If you identified most with the first two questions, you are more of a fixed mindset person. The latter two, you are more of a growth mindset person. Those were the warm-up questions. Let's do four more. You are a certain type of person, and that is not going to change. No matter what type of person you are, you can always change substantially. You can try differently, but can never truly change the most important things that make you, you. You can always change basic things about the kind of person you are. All right. One in three would make you more likely to be a fixed mindset person. Two and four point towards a growth mindset. Do you want to know the really cool thing about this? I, I can't hear you. Drop me a message. Drop me a DM. Send me an email. It's time to stand up if you can and stretch just a little bit. Because by stretching the body, we're going, to, we're going to start working our muscles a little bit. And that will convince me to start working your brain, which is one of your biggest muscles. Okay. Okay. Are, are you a little bit pumped up now? How do you feel? Does anyone know, okay, which muscle groups you worked? Good. You're, you're my gym rats. That's fantastic. So... Who noticed that they could just feel a little bit better or move their arms a little bit more by the second or third rep? Everybody. That's the literal point. Here's your metaphor. Those of you who feel you can't change are not using all of another major muscle, the brain. That also grows and expands when exercise, and that's what we're going to do today and throughout this podcast. We're going to bring people on to talk to you about the growth mindset. We're going to go through chapters of Carol Dweck's book and break it down on how this affects business, mostly schools, relationships, athletes, any phase of your life that you want to improve, we can improve through the growth mindset. Are you ready? Let's get started. My first guest today is Art Ware. He has a day job for the state of New York. But he is a growth mindset guy. We're going to talk about Carol Dweck's book for a little while, and then we're going to encourage you to join us. Beautiful lick 
with Sunshiny Day on the East Coast uh, in Schenectady, New York, and we're here to talk about uh, another topic under uh, mindset. And we're talking, uh, Ron uh, and I, uh, we're talking about uh, Professor Carol Dweck's book, Mindset, and we're just going to flow through uh, some of the uh, book uh, chapters that are that are here because I think uh, they're presented that way and I think it makes a difference uh, makes you know not much of a difference uh, to do it any other way because he's already laid the roadmap for us so Ron why do people differ what do you think what what are you, what's your thinking I tell you mine but what are, what are you well thinking? the two basic theories are you're born with it or you learn it Mm -hmm. So it's either innate or learned behavior. So what Carol Dweck's research has shown, though, which is so very incredible, is that it's, it's all changeable. We're on this continuum from fixed to growth mindset. Mm -hmm. So it's just a matter of figuring out where you are and where you want to be. Where you are and where you want to be. And that's a... That's a a really powerful question too because some people don't want to know where they are and some people don't really uh, want to figure out where they need to go and so this if, if that's you then this is really probably not for you but if you're determined to you know uh, discover life determined to uh, improve uh, and determined to get, get better and be better then this is all about you exactly this is life-changing for many people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so let's kind of break that down in terms of, uh, you know, um, someone discovering this for the first time uh, and realizing that this is a trail or a track that they want to be on. Uh, what, what did it mean to you when you discovered it? It meant that I had to re-examine uh, the ways that I learned mm -hmm. To succeed and fail in my life mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and to stop looking at things as failures per se but as attempts to get better and by, by doing that you can revisit some things that didn't go right in the past that you had mostly right and complete them yes yes it's very powerful and you know i used to uh listen to a lot of uh sales books and, and techniques and so forth. Uh, Zig Ziglar was one of my favorite people. Great uh, guy. Yeah, and the late Zig Ziglar. Zig Ziglar he just died here not long ago, in the last several years. His son has taken up his mantle, though. Okay, okay. And and uh, I see that happen quite often, uh, where there's a, a son and a father with a, with a good relationship uh, like he had. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, you know, the the... And he used to talk about W. Clement Stone and how W. Exactly. Clement Stone, you know, um, blazed a trail that uh, nobody had done before. And, you know, um, that was kind of the precursor. And then coming into uh, looking at um, the work here by uh, Professor Dweck uh, and really boiling it down to a science and uh, a method and, and a reasoning behind it so that you could understand. Because there, there are some people that they kind of take things and they, they, they make it more convoluted, more complicated. This is 
something that's been made so that you know even the the youngest if they want and can this can be understood exactly uh, and it the you know the age is really an interesting concept here because the average child is told no 400 times as often as they're told yes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's part of parenting so if we can start at an earlier age and start telling our children not yet they're going to start incorporating that into their mindset and they're going yeah. to be more predisposed to the growth mindset when they actually enter the education instead system. of no instead of yes and no exactly because what one just as bad as the other because sometimes you need to be you, you really need to understand things before you say yes and sometimes you need to understand why there is a no as opposed to just yes and no because well you think you think about toddlers mm -hmm. and uh what what's your, what's a toddler's favorite question you know the their their favorite question the the thing is their discovery they're trying to discover their their favorite question is why yeah and they right. can go for, they can go for an hour yeah and that is amazing because that's actually developing their brains mm -hmm. so you can turn that around you can flip that to your child and instead of telling them yes you can ask them why would that be good for you and then it will stretch their brain and they can work out for themselves a little bit about actually whether that activity would be beneficial for them. They'll have to justify it in a little way and that's that's part of the growth mindset. Yeah, it's part, and it's part of getting to that higher level of, of thinking and more comprehensive, you know, um, um, Critical Wait. thinking. Mm -hmm. uh, we, Critical do, we, thinking. We, we don't do it in our society as often as we'd like to. Yeah. I just dropped a link on, um, on social media yesterday on how we can incorporate it in the schools because right now, uh, as we're talking to you, schools are out of session due to the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking it's a fantastic time for schools to start introducing 21st century concepts. And critical thinking is one of the things that our children need to do. You know, uh, I always think of certain things in the school setting that gets relegated to a second class kind of a, 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 a presentation in, in terms of students being exposed to it. And critical, the ways and methods of critical thinking is not always, uh, you know, first rate or the, the first things that, that get taught. You know, the basics of reading, writing, and arithmetic, uh, but the critical thinking is how do you integrate all those things to really come up with, you know, innovative ways of, of, of expressing yourself. Exactly, but this is such a phenomenal time to reinvent industries and corporations and, and total cultures in our country for the people who mm -hmm. are creative. Mm -hmm. We were just talking about this before. We've got the creative people, and we've got the implementers. Correct. And if we if we and we we can talk to each other in a growth mindset way, we can both we the implementers can take the ideas from the creative people, and turn them into systems, that will change all these industries mm -hmm. and educational models and government to a certain extent, to be more responsive to the populace. Okay. So I want to I want to go back to something you said earlier. Uh, so it's, why do people differ? They you said that they it's either innate or they learn it. You're born with it, 
or or you or you learn it. So so which is which is the most important? You think? I think they're both equally important. I I would say that uh, in the growth mindset, it leans more towards learned behavior. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, there are people all the time that have got abilities that are innate, but a lot of times they don't even tap into them or, or use them. So I don't. I think the if it's something that you learn and you put there, and you continue to be on the track to improve it, I, I think that's pretty. Essential, in, in, in my opinion, do you do need ability? I'm not saying you don't need ability, but, you know, the person that's determined uh, and want to improve and want to do better, I think that's as, as top of the pinnacle as you need to be. As we progress on the podcast, and we hope that you all listen, you know, at the gym, on your walks, in your car, mm -hmm. we will get to a section on the growth mindset in sports. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about John Wooden, who is probably one of the best, love, love John Wooden. Be, best coaches, love John best coaches, best coaches. But John Wooden would do something with his athletes where it wasn't the guy who had the most ability. It was the guy who worked hardest in practice mm -hmm. because because the child who was born with all the ability has to outgrow being taught that he's the best because mm -hmm. the best is um, it's a mathematical let's look at it in a mathematical way in calculus we would approach infinity as a limit so if you're the best you don't think you can get better and coach wooden wouldn't start those people they would have to they would have to work to get better in order to start so he wanted to do a mindset uh, he was he he was there, alteration there are so many people when we when we back test this who change society again and change businesses and government and sports who wouldn't 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 of course be identified as the growth mindset at the time because this wasn't developed mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but we can look back in history and we will be looking back in history as we go along this podcast and talk about some of those people yeah, this is this is great. I'm 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 really looking forward to how much more time do we have before we need to bring this to to a close. Well, let's let's get to the back, the end of chapter one at okay. least. Okay. So, okay. what do we what do we have in the uh, chapter one? Yep. To, toward the end. Towards the end, where it's highlight where it's highlighted or. Right, well, I got it. I got a lot of it highlighted. Now you see that's how I that you see this was one of those books that that went back. Growth mindset. Which mindset do you have? Okay. Sure, let's do the questions. Okay. Uh, your intelligence is something basic, about uh, very basic about you that you can't change very much. Uh, you can learn new things, but you can't really change how much intelligence intelligence you 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 are how intelligent you are um no matter how much intelligence you have you can always change it uh quite a bit uh so these are some of the things that she's talking about the number four here you can always substantially change your intelligence how intelligent you are okay let's break it down mm -hmm. if you believe in the first two questions you are closer to the fixed mindset. Mm -hmm. If you believed in the last two questions, 
you're closer to the growth, growth mindset. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, human beings have the unbelievable capacity for change. Right. But society or our parents or our schools over time kind of have us thinking that, oh, people can't change. Oh, my situation can't change. I'm saying that we are here to disrupt that method of thinking. Well, I got to tell you something. I used to work in uh, prisons, and I was I would uh, I worked in prison industry, and the largest portion of the people that I worked around the the, the, the residents or inmates that were there. They were, as long as you gave them something to do, and this was a certain mindset, I mean, this was pretty endemic amongst them. Once you gave them something to do, and they got used to doing it a certain way, they did not want to change. I mean, and I found it very uh, typical in that environment amongst the folks. I'm not saying that that was always the case, because there was some growth mindset people in that environment, but for the most part, that, you know, you say, oh, you know, they're, they're going to change that. What, why are they, you know, it, it's, it was a, a certain uh, mindset that I noticed um, amongst inmates. Oh, I, I think that that is an organized structure. You look at, at how the military used to be in this country. I worked for the post office for 35 years. Mm -hmm. there, you, they wanted you not only to walk between the lines, they wanted you to walk down that middle line 100% of the time. And it was good for a while in certain ways, but it did not encourage um, our institutions to change or and adapt. The, you know, or to become, do things more efficiently or effectively. When we get to the section on leadership, and mm -hmm. this, is, this is why you guys should keep listening to this podcast. Absolutely. When we get to the section of leadership, we're going to talk about glass ceilings. And if you've got a fixed mindset leader, who's got a ceiling of five on a scale of one to 10, nobody in that organization can actually reach above that level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's ask some more questions. Okay, here's uh, another set of questions. Uh, let me just read them. Okay. Uh, let's, on, let, let's not only... Uh, let's not only your, ability, uh, your abilities... It's your personal personal qualities too. So personal qualities we're gonna talk about. Exactly. Look at look at these statements, your your personality and character, and decide which whether you most agree or mostly disagree with, with each. Okay, so I'm gonna read four questions. You are a certain kind of person. There is no such no, there is no, not much that can be done to really change that. Number one. Number two, no matter what kind of person you are, you can always change substantially. Number three, you can do things differently, but the important part of who you are can, can't really be changed. And number four, you can always change basic things, but the kind of, of person you are. Awesome. So one in four would be your growth mindset. Two and three would be your fixed mindset. Mm -hmm. it's, it's really interesting to ask yourself these questions 
because as you go through this journey with us, mm -hmm. you're going to find your answers are going to change. Just by exposing you to this, the growth mindset education, you will actually be developing it in your brain. It's been unbelievable talking to you today about the growth mindset art. I'm really, really very fortunate that you, you were able to join us today. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm very fortunate that we're able to do this and, and pull this off. This is, again, the, the a book, Mindset, by Car Dr. Carol S. Dweck, uh, Ph.D., uh, who now works uh, and have been for a lot of years at, at uh, Stanford. Awesome. Have a great day, everybody. This is the Growth Mindset Podcast with Ronald Hunt, where we take the research and writing of Carol Dweck and apply it to your life. We will break glass ceilings in education, government, and business through best practices. If you are ready to change your culture, we will show you how. Hey, it's Ron. Starting this Wednesday, we're teaching Jack Canfield's The Success Principles on Zoom. There will be a link in the information box in this podcast, and I'm looking forward for you to join us. There are two levels. There's a free level. That's it. We will teach you the we'll teach you some of the principles for free. There's an upscale level where you get all sorts of goodies, including half an hour coaching and the book and a carbon fiber card case that you can put credit cards and coin into for $97. Can't beat this. So, should I take this course? Well, if you want to be able to change the outcome of any event simply by changing your response to it, this course is for you. If you want to learn how to access personal and powerful mentors and friends who will open doors for you, this course is for you. If you want to know how to complete those past projects and heal relationship and hurts so you can embrace this future, this course is for you. And if you want to prepare and be instantly ready when opportunity comes knocking, this course is for you. Jack Canfield's brilliant, and I'm so honored to be asked to teach this course. I hope that you come with me on this journey. I'm Ron Hunt, and this is Art Ware, and today's uh, podcast is about uh, Carol Dweck again. We're talking about Chapter 5 of her fantastic book, Mindset. Yes. And the title of the chapter, the title of the chapter, is mindset and leadership. So I'll get started. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's an accident that Carol thinks that both of these qualities, mindset and leadership, should be in the chapter title. Does mindset influence leadership, vice versa, or is it a continuum, Mark? Mindset influences leadership. Case open, case closed. All right, all right. So, so you're you're a hundred percent on the mindset side here. Absolutely. No, well, that's that's fantastic. Uh, Carol dives right into the Enron disaster. Mm -hmm. And for for our younger <laughs> for our younger listeners, Enron was a company that was on top of the world about thirty years ago. Yeah. They could do no if if you think now Facebook, Google, Amazon. Their stock went up just like that. So uh, it's it was a disaster, though. 
It was. It and, was. And, and that company had two fixed mindset gentlemen yeah. who were brilliant in their own ways, yeah. but they brought down that company. They were so fixated on honoring and worshiping talent that they created a false culture where all employees had to have the appearance of looking right all the time. Yes. This created a blind spot, many blind spots, mm -hmm. that will be taught about in business schools for all time. So we recognize this is one of the failures of the fixed mindset. Absolutely. When times are great, everything is roses. At the first sign of true trouble, though, everything unraveled, and that was the case here. And we're talking about the, the two people. One was named uh, Skillet, I think was his name, and the other one was uh, was Lay. Yeah, uh, Kenneth Lay and Jeffrey yep, Skillet. Skillet. Yes. Absolutely. So uh, Carol Dweck talks about another book, fantastic book. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell yes. wrote that one, mm -hmm. and he broke it down for us. He says. They did not admit they were wrong, not to themselves, not to investors. They would sooner lie. In fact, Skilling still refuses to this day to admit any mistakes all these years later. And, and obviously, Lay has passed on. Yes. Uh, he, he died. Uh, but but in, the, in the text here, she talks about Skilling and how the, the company started to fall apart, and he ended up purchasing... The, I guess the pipeline of, of uh, Enron and, and was able to resurrect himself, but by and large, everything else is history. Exactly. So um, let's compare that to the growth mindset. Mm -hmm. uh, Jim Collins wrote a, another great business book that some of you are aware of, and he paints it completely true. I actually have it. Yeah, I From bet. good to great. That's I, I meant to bring it today. Oh, that's a, it's an amazing, should, amazing book. It, I would encourage you, if you're listening, to get the book and put it on your shelf and make time to read it. Good to Great by Jim Collins. And, and the way, the thing I love about that book is that it's written that no, no matter whether you're starting out or you're looking to advance in business management, this book is for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So his study reverse engineered 11 companies that outperformed the stock market by a large margin compared to all their competitors. Each company had to be tops for at least 15 years. So, the number one indicator of success. Their leaders were modest, self-effacing people who constantly... Number one, isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? And they, they weren't fixated on talent. They weren't, you know, crazy about seeing themselves up in lights and, you know, and cultivating their fame. Say that again. Say that again. I think that's the point of this. Of this one, one of the major keys of this lesson. Uh, exactly. And, and it's such a stark comparison. You, we're, we'll, we'll talk about some of the leaders later in the episode. Yep, yep, yep. But, I mean, you, you, can, you can see it straight on. If, if someone's humble and they actually ask questions and listen to mm -hmm, the answers, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they're going to end up succeeding. Correct. Correct. So. Because I'm a member of a collaborative in the broadband world called the Intelligent Community Forum. One of the main values of the Intelligent Community Forum is it brings together people from all over the world to understand what uh, smart cities are and what ideas are being deployed in healthcare and uh, what's happening in the communication space from all over the world. 
And because you bring the talent from all over the world, or you bring the resource, it becomes a rich place for, to mine for ideas. And that's what you're doing here with a person that asks questions, looks for answers, and that, you know, in, in an honest and candid way, you end up with a better product in the end. If you don't take it personally, if you don't correct, correct. if you don't take, take the personal part out of it, if you, if you don't flinch when someone gives you bad news, you can course correct. That and is we, correct. We love that. But, but if you're stuck on yourself, you're gonna stick on yourself and take the ship down when you go down. Yep. The growth mindset allows allows us to keep the faith that we need to succeed in exactly. the end. Exactly. Exactly. And that brings up visualization. And Carol Dweck is not big on visualization, but we're going to talk about it right here. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's a really important variable and key to success. Um, if we can look at the goal, we can start breaking it down into pieces and then take the pieces one at a time and make our adjustments. There are many roads to the top of the mountain. And that's, if we see the top of the mountain in our mind, it helps us get there. So uh, let's let, let's go back to Carol for just a second. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So these leaders believed in human development, mm -hmm. including the right to fail. This is so important. This allows them to see the skills that they and their team will need to develop and, and learn to overcome the challenge and into the future. So the growth mindset allows for continual learning, regardless of past success or longevity. Mm -hmm. Just because you were up the, the top of the top of the chain ten years ago doesn't mean you shouldn't start you shouldn't stop learning new techniques and tricks. And that was the point, another point in this, and, and we're we're saying these things uh, for people that might just now be tuning in to, to listen to us. Uh, so you can generate, you know, an interest and in perhaps go and get the book and read it for yourself. Because we're not hardly scratching the full surface here. We're just highlighting some really key points that we hope will spark interest in you to go and read the book. That's the whole point of why we're doing this together. This is, this is the amazing thing about podcasts. If, so, if you were searched business management this week, our podcast came up. And this is how you got into our world. You might want to go back and look at some of our earlier episodes and mm -hmm. see how the growth mindset can affect other things in your life. Because it does affect everything in your life. Right. Yeah, it does. But it's it's nice to have new new listeners, and we're glad you're here. And we're and, and Ron and I are not perfect. Otherwise, we wouldn't we wouldn't need to be doing this, reading this book, and trying to consume this information and make these applications. We're imperfect as well, so we want to bring you along, you know, uh, with two imperfect people trying to strive to to improve. And the whole point of this, in in a lot of the, what was said here. And successful companies that they allow for improvement. The other thing I noticed, Ron, in terms of what she said, and I think we're probably going to get to this, is that the fixed mindset companies generally focus on the the uh, they focus on, on on talent. They focus on you know the the, the prima donna uh, of the CEO or of the of the famous people, and but they never really paid any attention in Enron. They never made any, they never made, you know, shared the wealth with the people beneath, you know, the, the ivory tower and the fancy, you know, rebuild of the, 
you know, what, what the, the, the Waldorf Astoria facility that uh, Hayakoka had, they never, they, they did all that stuff. They never really shared it with the people. So they were, they were really the idea that people should grow and improve and put money into training and those kinds of things. And so that's the fixed mindset. In fact, th this, is, this is a good time to mention that I'm developing a corporate training course on the growth mindset, and all of these things are going to be covered there. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, you <laughs> uh, that's not the course we're going to talk about later, though. Yeah, but we, we you know, we, we've got to try to cover as much of the waterfront as we can without, sure. without going too, off, too far off. No, nope. Go ahead. Uh, you're you're, you're, you're we're, leading. We're, we're, we're right back. We're yep. right back. So the growth mindset allows for continual learning regardless of past sex success, mm -hmm. as we mentioned. Mm -hmm. Because they are not worried about measuring or protecting fixed abilities, they can look at their own mistakes, use the feedback, and adjust course. Everyone becomes more productive that way okay. while maintaining confidence. All right, I'm going to throw this out there. Mm -hmm. Are some people brighter than others? Uh, I would say probably. Does this always correlate with maximum success? I'd say most definitely not. <laughs> uh, I would agree. I think Carol Dweck would agree as well. So if, if you guys can wrap your minds around that concept right there, that the brightest person doesn't always win. That that's that is not about winning. That's the thing. You know, we, we use a lot we use a lot of terms here that we're, that we're, people are used to hearing, but it's not about winning. It's about it's it's about so many other things that, that go into that ingredient this, uh, that this week we're it. talking to a business audience mm -hmm. so it's it's kind of like a binary switch to some of these people and we'll get them over to that growth mindset art right but, you know it's either on or it's off you're either win or you lose but that's not the way you need to look at it so the, the, who was it was it was it skilling that you know boiled everything down i'm trying to remember who it was well everything down to dollars and cents as opposed to you know, some of the other criteria that, you know, he claimed were not um, quantifiable. Exactly. It, 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 it's absolutely the wrong way to look at it. So here's another problem with having a fixed mindset leader. They have taken all the credit, none of the blame, right, and have ignored so many nagging problems and failures that even after they leave, the company will sink further, almost mm -hmm. by design. Mm -hmm. Oh, that, that was another point that was made in the fixed mindset is that they always made sure that when they, when they left, the company uh, would, would suffer. You know, sometimes the company would, would go down as a result of that. I remember, you know, I, I've, I've created five or six programs in the job that I'm in, and I heard people say to me, well, Art, when you leave, I guess that, that program's going to go away. I said, how unprofessional, how could you say something like that? Exactly. I'm putting stuff in place that I want to last beyond me. So that's a fixed mindset. And the person that was talking to me had a fixed mindset. When, whenever I was in a leadership position, I always identified members who could do my job and mentored them. Because there are times I moved out of organizations where, for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. when, and I wanted to make sure that they would have that consistency going forward. Right. So don't be the genius and call all of your team helpers. Yeah. Honor your employees and do everything you can to make them great co-leaders. And I know we're talking about your favorite guy right now. We're going to talk about Lee Iacocca. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. He's <laughs> my favorite guy until I start reading all this stuff about him well, <laughs> in, in this book. 
Well, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about that because some of these guys have been built up um, on a mountain. Yeah, but well, he did most of it himself. Right? With the whole, you know, uh, thing about the, the having a, a, a suite in, in the world of the story is all about. You uh, know, you had to maintain a certain, the trappings of fame. Absolutely. He felt, he felt that he could fake it until he made it. And even after he was losing it, he kept, he kept all the trappings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So classic fixed mindset leader and unfortunately an example for future generations of CEOs. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to talk about that. He almost destroyed Chrysler twice. He got bailed out by the taxpayers the first time right. and then sold at a wild discount to Fiat the second time. Well, he, well, didn't he, didn't he, because he was, he was being, I guess, pushed out, didn't he try to take, you know, uh, through, through, like a T-boom kicking kind of a mentality and come in and, you know, uh, take over so he could get, regain control and it didn't work? Right, he tried, he tried. through that fixed mindset. Yep, he, 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 he thought in his, in his mind that he could, he could still turn, Turn the ship around all mm -hmm. by himself, yep. even though it was, it was it was way past the Titanic at that mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. So follow me here, because he was hailed by Wall Street and the financial press as a genius. Mm. He was another one of these guys who wrote his own copy and then read his read his own copy. And we thought, you know, we we saw that this morning. It's like, wow, some of those words, uh, that's pretty impressive right there, right? So. Follow me here. Okay. So he actually became the role model of what a CEO should be to them and to others, but not to you, our loyal listeners. All those in his model have continued to fail and underperform, more concerned about personal credit than the company's performance. They were considered superheroes, mm -hmm. if you can believe it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The next generation of fixed mindset leaders included Jeffrey Levin and Steve Case of AOL Time Warner. Yes. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable stories. Yes. Albert Dunlap of Scott Paper, mm -hmm. uh, known as Carving Al, for, for his ability to lay off people and lose money. Right, right. And, of course, the dream team. I, I think he was the one that, that had the, the dollars and cents and nothing else really mattered. It was, it was, uh, it was, it was Dunlap, I think it was. What, what have you done for me today? instead of what are you gonna do for the company over time. Yeah. It, and it, we, we see it all the time now where people are managing to, to try to get to next quarter's expectations instead of where they can visualize themselves and the company being a year, five years from now, which is the better approach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So all felt smarter and luckier than their competition. This is a key point here. It's the wrong mindset. Yeah. Ayakoko considered himself either smarter than everybody, and as my as my as my father would say, his shit didn't stink according to him. And so as a result of that, he thought he was lucky, uh, and he had better luck than everybody else as well. And I I, I used one of my uh, corporate upbringings was on Wall Street, and uh, one of the things that I learned early in my Wall Street years is that you do not try to guess uh, and outplay the market because you'll lose every time. The market, you can never predict what's going to happen in the market. And as, as a result of that, if you don't realize that that, from, realize it from that, from that disposition, then you're going to be 
headed in the wrong direction and headed for trouble. And as a result, you see the fatal complete happened here. Well, let's look at what did happen at Chrysler for just a second. When they were having trouble back in the 70s, some of the designers came up with some new and really better models. But he didn't come up with them. So he didn't approve them. He even fired some of these people. He asked them. Yes. Yes. It's mindset. In another study, they spent millions and millions of dollars buying Hondas, taking them apart, figuring out what the Japanese were doing. And they came up with a plan to actually improve their cars better than the Japanese. And all they heard back from Lee Iacocca? Crickets. Not a word. You know, it reminds me of another fixed mindset and growth mindset person at the same time. You remember Al Davis? Yes. They said he would he would jeopardize the success of the team to get to get even with somebody. Right. And that's what you see happening here. Exactly. So instead of pivoting, Lee Iacocca demanded tariffs and quotas from the government instead of competing. King Iacocca did not cut back on his lavish company-paid lifestyle. Nope. nope. He just laid off workers and cut their pay and benefits. Yep. And even when they had a little success later on, he never gave them their payback. He never gave them any credit at all. So it's funny, Art. Mm -hmm. If one of our students fails a test or loses a game, Almost everybody, including themselves, holds them accountable. Somebody, some accountability got to be somewhere. Not so with our CEOs. They live large with little repercussion until the shareholders eventually ease them out with golden parachutes. Mm -hmm. Dweck calls it CEO disease, and I would have to CEO agree. CEO disease. <laughs> so I would hope that everyone's ready for the good news. Yes, yes. Let's get the, let's get the growth mindset and get some... Re-calibration re, uh, thinking here. All right. The growth mindset's going to win, isn't it? it? Growth mindset is a winner. <laughs> so success, better working conditions, endless possibilities. Mm -hmm. The ability to innovate, innovate and execute. Mm -hmm. Jack Welch, Lou Gertzner, and Anne Mulcahy are all prime examples who led companies from trouble to success. Their skill sets? Visualizing goals. Investing in honoring employees creating unstoppable growth engines for their companies. They don't talk royalty. They talk journey. Mm. An inclusive learning-filled, rollicking journey. I'll ask you, Art, where mm. would you prefer to work? Well, I, I, I think uh, if I keep working with you and we keep going through this book, I think I could take one of those fixed mindset places over and make them into a growth mindset and prefer to work there. But for now, I want to be in a fixed mindset environment. Isn't that something? And I come from a fixed mindset environment, I, and that's why I do what I do now. Exactly. So when Jack Welch started at GE, he would sit down and have lunch with the workers, not just to be a friendly boss, but a good boss, to actually learn what the challenges were on the floor. Mm -hmm. So in his own words, nearly everything that I've accomplished is because of other people. It's about the only time you'll ever hear the word I out of his mouth. Mm. You'll hear the word you or your or our a lot. So it's, um, it's because of other people that he succeeded. And he was not always able to keep the growth mindset intact. Again, we're talking about the continuum, growth to mm -hmm, fix. Mm -hmm. Because whether he read too many articles or he was being lauded elsewhere, 
And when that happened, he had some setbacks. He bought some businesses that he did not understand. And he also had a little bit of that uh, famous, you know, needing to be famous and propping up his, his fame in, in, in places that he should have been probably focused on, his, on, on GE. And he also, uh, there was also some family issues during that time, too. I, th I think there might be some, rela some re relativity there, huh? Yeah, we had some relationship challenges and yeah, so on yeah, and so forth. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that we all have to deal with. Remember, one of the things we talked about this morning on our radio broadcast is not what happens to you, it's how you respond to it. And so, and obviously, the growth mindset responds in a certain way, while a fixed mindset responds in another kind of way. So he was humble enough to actually take a step backwards, though. He asked others for advice, mm -hmm. they told him, and he accepted it. Mm. And he realized that he had crossed the line from self-confidence to hubris. Can you imagine a, a, a fixed mindset guy getting criticism like that and doing anything about it? So, all so, the ones that we talked about earlier, you know, the the, the feelings, the lays, the you know, the the the, the uh, various ones uh, in AOL and Time Warner. And in matter of fact, in in AOL Time Warner, it was said that uh, Richard Parsons sent somebody down to try and figure out what was what needed to be fixed. Right. And that person was highly frustrated. So, oh. So it, it makes. They had, two, they had two amazing companies. AOL was on top of their game. They were the Google of their time. And Time Warner owned all, a third of all the media in the, in, the, in the world. And they brought them together, and they failed miserably. And right now, Time, uh, uh, the, the Time Warner, as in Charter, they're broke. Everybody still you know, recognizes that they're, they're broke and... and uh, you know, don't have sufficient cash to, to, to grow the company and to do the things that they really need to do in order to fully service the constituency that needs to service. So Jack Welch listened to the criticism, took it to heart, incorporated the changes, and got back on track. He and GE were ready to grow again. He hired people who were filled with passion and a desire to get things done. His message... This company is about growth and not self-importance. Mm -hmm. He shut down elitism as his first mission. Mm -hmm. He cut out a whole layer of do-nothing, self-congratulating management with suites at the Plaza Hotel. Mm. The workers noticed. He rewarded teams, not their managers. He totally bought in. So, let's move on to IBM. I worked at IBM. They offered me a job after college. They were on the way down. It, I, if I go back, it was a long time ago. But they, they lost over 100 points of their stock price in one day, about a year after I decided not to work for them. Mm. And there's a story behind that I'll tell you another day. So they brought in this guy, Lou Gertzner. Lou Gertzner from where was he? Where was he from? Uh, uh, was he, uh, he? He was from McKinsey or one of those things. And American Express. Yep. He, he, yep. He he ran some big companies. Yeah. He did not want the job. He turned it down several times. In fact, the story goes that uh, the board of directors got uh, President Carter to call him directly and ask him to run IBM. So he finally decides to run IBM. The first thing he did was dismantle the highest level that reported to him, the management committee. 
Mm. Again, do nothing, self-serving people mm -hmm. who are resting on their laurels and watching the, 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 company, the company drain the toilet. Mm -hmm. So the work, again, imagine this, the, the workers noticed. No longer were great ideas going to be blocked by fixed mindset executives mm. only concerned with their personal accolades. Mm -hmm. Gerstner saw the backlog of great ideas never implemented and declared that genius was not enough, we need to get the job done. Mm -hmm. IBM had taken them for granted for decades, telling the customer what to buy, not asking what they needed. Mm. And this, this was when they made the, the switch to, so remember you had to buy, at one time you had to buy all IBM, uh, you know, uh, equipment and, and, and technology, otherwise they'd walk away from you. And uh, GE went through that too. You had to buy all GE and they'd walk away from you. And then, you know, GE Capital came in and next thing you know, GE Capital was financing Siemens. They were financing, you know, Shimatsu. Uh, and the next thing you know, in IBM world, they were like, you know, pulling, you know, bits and pieces of better operating systems and, and, and equipment in order to build something that was better and that could be offered holistically through, through, through IBM. So that, that's that growth mindset you see starting to take, take hold. One, one, one funny IBM story, and we'll come right back. Mm -hmm. um, I used to have to make a lot of copies at IBM when I was doing accounting for them. Three sets. And every time I would go to the copier, there were two on each floor. It would be broken almost every time. So you'd go to the other copier, and then you'd go down a floor, up a floor. And I would, I thought, you know, I wasn't there that long. And I, I said to my boss, I said, the copies are always down. It's, you know, it's a problem, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I didn't have any filter back in those days. So he, he's going, yeah, we know. But they were IBM copiers. They didn't, they would not use the better copier from another company. They, and they would force other companies to buy these copiers to get their computers. So what sort of impression did that leave with with uh, with their customers over time? So was, you know, it was, apparently they start dropping away from them like flies. So apparently, you know, and that, that's where, where 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 they had to do some self correcting. And here's the thing: when you walk into a situation like that, it takes time to turn it around. And during those first two years that he was the CEO. Whenever there is an article in the Wall Street Journal, there's always that this guy's a bum because he because he couldn't turn the Titanic around in 30 days. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and the people that he fired from the that executive board, they were all trash talking him in the press. Right. So right. Uh, we're going to talk about um, where Anne Mulcahy took over at Xerox in 2000. They had gotten to the point where nobody was buying their copy machines for the same reason. They were horrible. Exactly. They were on top of the world. They owned the copier business, and they stopped taking care of the customers and their machines. You know, one, one point I want to make before I forget is this idea of the fixed mindset and, and blame shifting. Uh, and I wrote down a whole bunch of scriptures. I'm just going to read a few of them because I think there are people listening that have faith and want to go and look be look behind some of the things that we're talking about from a faith perspective. And these are these are scriptures that either have 
uh, blame shifting as part of their uh, theme or, you know, the, the conduct uh, and character of, 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 uh, of thinking uh, in the right manner and beyond blame shifting. So Romans 2.1, 2, 2, Romans 2.5, Matthew 7, 3-5, Matthew, um, James 1.14, Psalms 32, 3 and 4, Proverbs 28, 13, Job 31, 33, Galatians 6 and 7, Galatians 6 and 5, uh, Proverbs 9 and 12 are just a few uh, places you can go. And because blame shifting is huge uh, amongst the fixed mindset, and you don't see it as much when there's the growth mindset and the idea of, okay, that was wrong, let's fix and improve and, and move ahead in a, in a better way. Event plus response equals opportunity. And that's what the Bible teaches us, and that's what I'll teach you starting mm -hmm. Wednesday as well. Okay. Yeah. So... Um, Anne Mulcahy had to go back into learning mode to learn the skill sets that she needed everyone in the company to learn as well as herself. Mm -hmm. She had to tell the whole, the cold hard truth to the workers. She actually did a lot of the firing herself. How's that for responsibility? Ooh, ooh. And she said she was sorry. Then she would make sure she spent time with the remaining employees reassuring and encouraging them so that they wouldn't jump ship and be discouraged or, or get confused or get the wrong message you know uh and and become confused and, and fail out for the wrong reason took two years she opened time magazine one day about those two years later and and read an article that called her the worst ceo of all time mm, mm. xerox had its best quarter two months later <laughs> so not only did xerox survive it thrived so all of these CEOs had confidence that things would improve, and they also had passion. They had and expressed gratitude for where they were. Now, in contrast to the fixed mindset, whose leaders were consumed by bitterness. Yes. So let's talk about a couple studies quick. Mm -hmm. Robert Wood devised an interesting study. He created 30 management groups with three members each. He tested the 90 people and divided the groups up between all growth mindsets and all fixed mindset mm -hmm. members. Mm -hmm. So the short version, the fixed mindset believed either you had it or you didn't. The other thought that skills could grow with experience. Mm -hmm. They were both given the exact same situation and challenges. The growth mindset groups not only solved the problems, but built on them. That's, 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 the, whole, that's the whole key here, is not only did they solve the problem, but they found a better problem to solve. The fixed mindset executives never got close to finishing their goals. Well, we got to be mindful of time here. We're about 42 or 43 I've minutes. Got, I've got this. 32 minutes in. Okay. Is it 32? Okay, 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 okay. Let's talk about millennials for just a minute. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> because they're our future and we, we need to honor them if we can. So Carol likes to call them the praise generation. How are they going to fit in? It's been a rough go on both sides of that equation. Companies have gotten to the point where it's not the employee of the month anymore, but the employee of the meeting. She suggested instead of praising them every time they answer an email, we start complimenting the process they're working on, for taking initiative, for seeing a difficult task through, 
for being undaunted by a setback, even for being open to criticism. If we don't start now, where is that next generation of leaders going to come from? So let's talk about the art of compromise, another famous study where Laura so came. Before you go into that, I got okay. a point or two I want to make with regard to this new millennial generation. Uh, remember, I told you, I don't know if you, if I, I I'm sure I talked to you about uh, John O'Donnell. He's the person that wrote this book called Distributed Teams. Right. Um, anyway, um, the idea of going to a place and working, uh, especially in this COVID, you know, uh, 19 environment, is going to become less and less. And the millennial generation is going to is going to change drastically in their willingness uh, and, and to, to work and where where they work. And as a result of that, uh, many of them do not want even before the coronavirus environment that we're in. They want they won't take a job uh, or an organization go into an organization where they've got to get up, commute to work, nine to five, five days a week. They they just won't take a job because technology is such that they feel they can work at home and do the do and be as productive or, or more productive at home, and then on, on top of that, do more work-life balance as a result. So that's the kind of you know mentality we're dealing with, and what she's talking about here. Uh, in this group of young people, and their response and their attachment to organizations, uh, and so, so uh, I think that's something that's worth worth noting, and, and, and a huge difference between my generation, you know, our generation. <laughs> it's definitely our generation, Art. Mm -hmm. uh, I I agree totally, and the concept of team learning and team collaboration is such a 21st century skill, and it. We will have to do some of it virtually. Obviously, we're doing it now. Yeah, of course. Sure. Yeah. But uh, you know, this is this is this is a key thing in terms of interpersonal relationships. This is also suffering amongst the millennials because they can be so closed into the little circle of one. And this whole idea of like co-work spaces and all that, when people, you know, people are working at home, but they also want to be able to go someplace in that community to do the things that they can't do at home without having to go. 20 miles or 50 miles or a you know, three-hour train ride into a city someplace. They want to be able to go down the street and do their video conferencing that they can do at home or their 3D printing or whatever the case might be. Quantum computing, if they got to do something, some major calculation that they can't do on their own computer. I've, I've seen the studies, and if you go to a co-working space every day, you're actually 30% more productive than if you work at home. So, you are to right, we are getting late. Yep. If you want my course on uh, changing your business culture from fixed to growth. Uh, please look in the uh, information box under these episodes. But we're going to get to the questions real quick. Yes. Let's, let's go to the questions. Yes, yes, yes. So do you have a fixed mindset or growth mindset workplace? Mine is fixed. Mine was fixed for 35 still, years. My, and, and there's probably no hope for it. My, my organization is a fixed organization. Uh, as is my wife's, uh, and we need we need to think about the future generations. And you can actually get to choose a little bit by being a growth mindset person and changing things as you move up in your organization. You know, and the thing about this that we talked that one one of the things that it talked about here was uh, you know organizations that promote and organizations that provide you know enrichment kinds of things. Those are the things that I see missing 
in my organization, certain people get them, but for the most part, you know, the stimulation that comes from it and the unleashing of creativity and innovation that comes from that, it, 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 can, be, it can be difficult to find in, in an organization like mine. Absolutely. Uh, been there, done that. So one more book for all of you. Um, Gertzner wrote a book that uh, is called Who Says Elephants Can't Dance? Yes. And that will yes. show you how to turn your fixed mindset company into a growth mindset company. And I plan to get that. I don't have that, and I plan to get that. So. It's fantastic. It's yes. available on Audible. Help yourselves, guys. So what, what happens in the fixed mindset uh, workplace? It can, it can promote groupthink. What, what, uh, I wish I, could, I had more time to talk about groupthink here today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we might revisit yeah, that there's next a, There's week. a term called swarm, swarm intelligence. Have you ever heard of that? Yes. Yes. That's where, you know, if you, like, uh, 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 you know, uh, birds fly in kind of a, a group, and they can do things together in that group they never could do alone. Right. You know, you know, so so animals have that swarm, you know, that where there's there's kind of a division of tasks and duties and so forth. Together they're strong as a which is what you're talking about. And uh, that's also been referred to as the hive mentality. Mm -hmm. So the last thing that we'd like you to remember today is that people can be independent thinkers and team players at the same time. Sure. And you as their manager or you as their eventual manager can help them fill both roles. Wow. <laughs> that was good. That was good. That, that was, I'm Artware and... This is Ronald Hunt. This is the Growth Mindset uh, Guru Podcast. All right. All right. This is number five. In 2015, I retired after a 35-year government career. Obviously, they didn't check my birth certificate too closely. I spent six months volunteering and going to the gym, but the transition was hard. Have any of you had a difficult six-month transition? I stumbled upon One Funnel Away and was considering these amazing internet possibilities. I put in the work, but I'll let you in on a secret. You are one funnel, course, or challenge away from the 12 you have to cut your teeth on. If you have invested in this entrepreneurial game, I see your heads moving up and down. Even harder for many of you, you haven't launched that first funnel yet. Hands? I found a better way. Is it okay if I share? It's called the growth mindset, and it makes all the difference in whether you're going to survive or thrive through this new journey. If you don't learn and adopt it, your problems will be stop signs, not puzzles to solve. Your grand destination will be just that, instead of the inevitable end to your hero's journey. You'll hate the reps, instead of knowing the hard work is bringing you closer. I teach it in my Launcher Challenge Challenge, along with the who, what, and how of things. The great news? Just by listening to me on this podcast, your brain is going to force you to Google it and or me. You are actually on your way to major breakthrough. Let me guide you the rest of the way with my certified accountability coaching and program. If you have your message, you are just the growth mindset away. I'm Coach Ron. Let's do this.